Welcome to Equipping the Body. I'm Dr. Brad Storns, and we've been gone for some time. I want to address that. I've been moving. Uh, God has opened a door for us to take a new pastorate role in Georgia. So we moved states uh, a few weeks ago, and that has put the podcast pretty much completely on hold until today. Um, And so that is why we've been not having episodes recently, but that's all changing. We're starting back today. And um, what I want to do going forward, uh, just so those of you who listen all the time will know, typically we go through an entire book of the Bible verse by verse. I'm not going to change that. But what I've been doing for the last nine months or so is going through um, the podcast would be the same as my Sunday sermon. Um, because that's also how I preach. I preach through whole books of the Bible verse by verse. But now that we're at a church down here in Hartwell that um, puts our sermons on Facebook, on YouTube, I don't want to be redundant. There's no need for me to make a podcast episode about a sermon when you can go on Facebook and watch the sermon. Um, So that being said, what we're going to do is revert back back to the old format when I first started equipping the body where it was pretty much a running commentary through books of the Bible Um, you know might go through five verses one time the next time might go through an entire chapter but it's going to be less uh, of a sermon format and more of a running commentary format Um, and that's that's probably for the best because I don't want to be Redundant. I don't want you to, well, what's the point in the podcast if I can listen to the same sermon on YouTube or Facebook or whatever from the same guy? Uh, so, and this kind of recaptures the original intention of this podcast to be a Bible study. It is not a sermon podcast Bible study. Now, every sermon should have study, <laughs> and a Bible study sometimes can't help but come out a sermon, so there's a lot of overlap and uh, things like that, but at the same time, it it is going to be a little bit different, Um, and so that's kind of the way we're going to do it going forward. Um, I appreciate your patience uh, with the podcast being paused for a little while while we were in transition, and um, as always, uh, we continue to do this on faith. Uh, it, it, It does cost. Um, Buzzsprout does cost. It's a very small cost. Um, and if you'd like to help, you can follow through the uh, page uh, to buy me a coffee to support the podcast. You don't have to. Uh, you do whatever you feel led to do. Uh, I'm going to keep doing it whether I've got the support to fund it or not. I'll fund it out of my pocket. It doesn't matter to me. Um, but if you would like to help with that, you can. All right, well, let's get started. We're going to continue through Luke because that's where we were last time we were together. And we were in Luke chapter number 8, and we had made our way down, uh, if memory serves me correctly, uh, to the point where Herod is haunted uh, by his guilty conscience. And uh, Excuse me, Luke 9. I'm sorry, we had finished Luke 8. So we're in Luke 9 today. So Luke chapter 9 and picking up in verse number seven where we left off. Um, It says, Now Herod the Tetrarch heard of all that was done by him, 
And he was perplexed because it was said by some that John had risen from the dead, and by some that Elijah had appeared, and by others that one of the old prophets had risen again. Herod said, John I have beheaded, but who is this of whom I hear such things? So he sought to see him. And if I was going to title this, I would title it The Haunting of Herod. Herod is being haunted by a guilty conscience. You may remember just a little refresher course that Herod uh, killed John the Baptist after imprisoning him uh, because John the Baptist called Herod out on his sin publicly. And I'll say more about that in a minute, but he killed John the Baptist. And so this is sometime later. And now at this time in the Gospels, Jesus' ministry is growing and word is spreading and people are taking note of what Jesus is doing and there's many prevailing theories regarding what Jesus is doing in this time. Some people were saying, well, it's a prophet, uh, you know, and then some said, hey, it's John the Baptist back from the dead and others coming up with all sorts of things. And so Herod... Uh, that guilty conscience begins to eat at him. And he thinks, this is John who I killed. He, he's come back from the dead. And so Herod is scared. Now, you have to remember, this is a culture that was uh, steeped in superstition. And so um, they, uh, it would have been easy for him to believe something like that uh, because of the culture in which he lived. So the haunting of Herod. And as I was studying over this some time ago, my mind went to uh, Edgar Allan Poe's short story published in 1843 entitled Telltale Heart. And in this story, a man, the narrator, commits a murder of another old man. He hides the remains under his floor and after this act, he begins to be plagued by a thumping, beating sound. And his guilty conscience interprets this as being the old man's heartbeat. And eventually his guilt drives him somewhat mad, and he confesses to the police his murderous act. Uh, and you know the story. You may be familiar with the story. Everywhere he goes, he hears the old man's heartbeat, and it just eats at him and eats at him and eats at him. And, and then eventually he... Uh, confesses his murder, and there you go. That's the story. You see, guilt is a powerful and dreadful thing, and Herod is haunted by the guilt that he feels for killing John the Baptist, namely uh, because John the Baptist was innocent. John the Baptist had done nothing wrong. He had broke no laws. He had hurt nobody. All John the Baptist was guilty of was telling the truth. And that was enough to cause Herod to take his life. And so we have Herod in our text today. Herod Antipas, the Tetrarch of Galilee and Perea, and he is haunted by the, his murder of John the Baptist. So the first thing we note in verse 7 is we're just introduced to the man. It says, now Herod the Tetrarch, of all that was, excuse me, now Herod the Tetrarch heard of all that was done by him, of course, to him being Jesus. So I want to talk to you a little bit about the history of Herod's crime. As I often say, the best, best commentary on the Bible is the Bible. So Luke skips straight ahead to Herod's guilty conscience, but Mark provides a little more history of Herod's crime. 
And so we find in Mark 6, 14 through 29, I'm not going to read the entire pericope, but I will summarize it. Herod Antipas was the tetrarch of Galilee and Perea. Now, a tetrarch was a puppet king set up by the Roman Caesar to rule over a section or a province within the Roman Empire. While he did have some political power, he was really a puppet. He was limited by the Roman government. For example, uh, Herod could not have anybody put to death. Eus uh, gladi, that's Latin for the power of the sword, that, that, that lie with Caesar and Caesar alone. Caesar's puppet kings uh, could not put somebody to death. That had to go through the official Roman government. Only they had the Eus gladi, the power of the sword. And so Herod had some power, but really and truly, uh, he, he was just a, a middleman, a glorified middleman, so to speak. And um, now, <clears throat> Herod was a vile and wicked man, known for his sexual deviancy and his flamboyance of wealth and villainy. At one time, he divorced his wife and arranged to marry the wife of his brother. Her name was Herodias. They were also related, but Herod, being the perverted potentate that he was, did not care. Herodias was married to Herod's brother Philip. Now, Philip was the tetrarch over Adorea and Trachonitis, if I pronounced that correctly, which was northeast of the Sea of Galilee, directly above Decapolis. Well, at any rate, Herod Antipas married his brother's wife in an unlawful and immoral manner. It was adulterous and it was illegal. And so he took his brother Philip's wife. Now, John the Baptist, being a preacher of righteousness, publicly denounces Herod Antipas as an adulterer and a deviant. If you see back then, politicians were held to a moral and religious standards much unlike today. Herodias was infuriated and wanted John's head on a platter and so what he did was had John arrested and placed him in the dungeon of Macarius and struggled with what to do. He, he feared John the Baptist because he knew that the common people held John the Baptist as a man of God. So uh, Herod is a little torn on what to do. And so he arrests John and throws him in the dungeon. Now, Herodias instructs her daughter, Herodias being the wife of Herod, instructs her daughter, Salome, a, to perform a perverted dance in front of Herod at his birthday party. Herod, being excited and drunk and filled with an evening of debauchery, tells her, uh, whatever you want, I will give it to you up to half of my kingdom. And Salome, as instructed by her mother, states, the head of John the Baptist. That's what I want. I want John the Baptist's head on a platter. And Herod Antipas even though he was, as Mark wrote, exceedingly sorry, brought John out of the dungeon and beheaded him. History tells us, as Donatello sculpted so realistically in 1427, that they brought John's head in on a platter to Herod's feast, and they drank, and they laughed, and they talked about how much they hated that preacher of righteousness that thorn in the conscience of these corrupt degenerates, that old-time Baptist who preached the book. 
He said, hey, we won't have to worry about him anymore. And you could hear their jesting and their laughter. We, we got him. We, we killed that preacher. Now, they believed they could go on in their sin, reveling and riding and having a good time. All the while, the severed and, day, dare I say, sacred head of that preacher sat before them on a platter as if nothing more than a piece of trash. This is the history of Herod's crime. Well, Herod's crime is going to catch up with him. We find next the haunting of Herod's consciousness because it says that he was perplexed. I'm in verse 7. Because it was said by some that John, being John the Baptist, had risen from the dead. So he hears of the works of him, capital H, it's a reference to Jesus back in verse 7. But some of the theories are, well, John the Baptist is back from the dead. So Herod hears of what Jesus is doing, not knowing it's Jesus, and believes it to be John the Baptist raised back from the dead because of his guilty conscience. So Herod was haunted by his wicked act. R.C. Sproul said that he probably saw John the Baptist behind every bush. And I can imagine that that thunderous voice of the old preacher rang in his ears and kept him up at night. The phrases from John's sermon, such as repent, the kingdom is at hand, drove this pathetic potentate to the point of psychosis. Every time he washed his face in the sink, he would look up in the mirror horrified as, but for a moment the rugged, bearded face of John the Baptist looked back at him as if to be standing right beside him. While sleep evaded him, he would sometimes in great exhaustion drift away if but for a moment and he would dream. And while dreaming, he would see John standing there preaching the word of God and holding out that finger toward him, crying out, it's not lawful for you to have your brother's wife. Herod would shriek in terror and wake up panting for breath, drenched in sweat. While Herodias, that Jezebel of a woman she was, would soothe her sissy of a spouse back to sleep, whispering in his ear, Oh, Herod, John's dead. Don't worry about that. We got away with it. Nobody cares. Nobody's going to bring that up. We killed him. He's dead. And Herod would sit there haunted by his hateful decision. And the text says in Mark's account that Herod thought to himself when he heard of these miracles, This is John whom I beheaded. He's been raised from the dead. Luke says it this way, he was perplexed. He was questioning everything and all the more growing more and more in despair. So just as the man from Edgar Allan Poe's telltale heart was haunted by his guilty conscience, so too, so too was Herod haunted by his guilty conscience of what he had done to John. And how he had taken John's life. And then we see that the people, <laughs> excuse me, <coughs> the people all had a different opinion about what was going on. Some said it was John that was out here working, and some said it was Elijah, and some said it was one of the old prophets had risen again. And Herod said, John, whom I have beheaded, whom. It, who, but who is this of whom I hear such things? And so there's all these theories going around about what Jesus is doing, and I don't want to get too far off subject, but it reminds me of our day 
you know, you talk to all these different people and everybody's got an opinion of who Jesus is and what Jesus did. The problem is 99% of them don't line up with the historical Jesus recorded in God's word. You know, I hear people say, well, you know, I don't think Jesus would. And I stop and I say, well, show me that in the Bible. You know, show me where Jesus would have said this, would have said that. Because I can show you in the Bible what he actually said and what he actually did. We have a lot of people worshiping a Jesus today that doesn't exist. It's a Jesus they've created in their mind, and it's not the historical Jesus based on the facts of Scripture. And there's a little bit of this at play. As everybody says, well, I think he's Elijah. Well, I think he's John the Baptist. Anyways, here it is haunted. Now, a guilty conscience is a powerful, dreadful thing to be haunted by one's decisions, one's acts. So we've seen the history of Herod's crime and the haunting of Herod's conscience, but what about the help Herod never found? We know that Herod's conscience was never eased because he never repented, he never sought God, he never was, uh, to put it in plain terms, sorry for what he did, and he went on in debauchery and revelry and died in sin and busted hell wide open. So there was help that Herod never found. He made his bed. He hears of Jesus, but he never accepts Jesus. In fact, the Bible says, so he sought to see him. But that's as far as it went. We know he never accepted Christ. He died in his sin and went to hell. Now to this very day, think about this for a moment. Here we are some 2,000 years removed, and at this very moment, Herod is in the lake of fire, the pit of hell. And all he can hear and all he's heard for thousands of years is that gruff, thunderous voice of the wily Baptist preacher by the name of John saying, repent for the kingdom is at hand. Repent, for the kingdom is at hand. It's not lawful for you to have your brother's wife. And, and constantly, to the point of insanity, Herod's heard those words for thousands of years and will continue to hear them for eternity. You see, hell's not just a place of physical torment. Hell's a place of mental torment. It's a place of spiritual torment. The worm dieth not. The conscience never goes away. The body does not. There's physical pain, but there's no death. It's just continuous, eternal torment. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm not telling you a story of how Herod was haunted. Herod is still haunted to this day because of the help he never found. What is the help for a guilty conscience? Here it is. Repentance. Repentance. You may be listening to this and you're haunted by some sin or you've never been born again and you've never turned from sin. That haunts you. The only thing that brings peace and forgiveness and that peace of mind is a personal relationship with Jesus Christ that comes through repentance. Repentance.
Herod never repented. If you do not repent, you cannot be forgiven. And so what was the help Herod never found? Repentance. He never repented. He never had his conscience eased because he, he never sought the Lord for forgiveness. And so this is about Herod the Tetrarch, uh, Herod Antipas. He was a wicked man, a wicked man and a sad character in scripture somebody that was all around the truth heard the truth and decided to wallow in sin instead and he paid for it not only in this life but he's still paying for it to this day in the next life if you will so we have the haunting of Herod now this next section that I'm not going to get into today we don't have that kind of time but this next section begins uh, a series of miracles, and the first one being uh, Jesus feeding the 5,000. And I can't wait to look at that with you. But keep studying.